Thank you, Lord. Oh, the Lord is good. Say it out loud. The Lord is good. His mercy endures forever. Praise God. Well, uh, welcome again, everybody, tonight. This is our first Wednesday of the month healing meeting. All right. If you stumbled in here on accident, you're not going to stumble out. You're going to walk strong and tall and straight. <laughs> Amen. Because the Spirit of God is here. The Lord is here. And He loves you and me so much. Beyond our comprehension, He does. And He's looking for an opportunity to get His foot in the door. You know what I'm saying? To get His, w- to get his way in our lives. It doesn't automatically happen. But if we'll look to Him and if we'll make adjustments where necessary so that our believing is correct so that we're seeing Him clearly and, and precisely as He should be seen then His power flows to us and through us unhindered and undelayed. Amen? Go with me in, to Matthew chapter 9 Matthew the ninth chapter I want to begin tonight by reading two uh, passages the first one is Matthew, the ninth chapter. We're going to talk to you for a few moments about healing, about the will of God, about the power of God, about how to get what belongs to you, about healing. And then we're going to be doers of the Word and not hearers only. We're not only going to talk about healing, we are going to heal. All right? And the power of the Lord is present for that end to that for that very purpose. Thank you, Lord. But how many know healing is not just about doing it, making it happen. Uh, the Bible says He sent His Word and healed them. All right. Many times you'll read that Jesus would preach and teach about healing and then minister to the sick, then get the sick healed. So it's not just a physical thing we're involved with. It, you know, like a you know, like you might get at the hospital. Just apply this medicine or this procedure to correct this problem we're dealing with the kingdom of God you're not a body you're a spirit you have a mind you have a soul you live in a body so the way that we alter our bodies when they're not lining up and they're not acting right is we don't deal directly with the body we deal with spiritual things we deal with the mind and if I can get you to think right, to believe right, then there'll be no hindered flow whatsoever from God making your body right. That's the way things work. Sometimes people just look for a physical thing, an outward sign. As soon as I feel it, as soon as I see it, then I'll know I have it. No, you know you have it because God says you have it. And when we take Him at His word, the body doesn't have any options. As soon as I feel it, as soon as I see it, then I'll know I have it. No, you know you have it because God says you have it. And when we take Him at His word, the body doesn't have any options. It's submissive. It will listen to you. It will line up to what you tell it to do. Praise God. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, it reads, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Everybody say every. Every sickness, every disease. This is what Jesus went about doing. This was a 
primary uh, aspect of his ministry, he would heal all these things. Now, now just side note for a moment. Are, are there any sicknesses or diseases that would be outside of the scope of what God has done for us in Christ? See, absolutely not. There are not. I know years ago, well, back in the back in the in the 80s, when I was having this discussion with some fellow believers who weren't persuaded that God wanted people to be well, um, and this was when AIDS was just coming big on the scene, and and this person said said to me, uh, they said, do you know, there's never been a person healed of AIDS. He said, this is one of those things. He told me, this is just God's judgment on people, and so people never get healed of that. Well, well, how many know that's not the case? <laughs> how many know many, many people? I mean, it was just becoming well-known or popular, a popular disease. I don't know if that's the way to say that. Uh, back, in, back in those days, now many people, of course, have had it, but many, many people have been healed of it. There's no disease or no sickness that is outside the scope of God's mercy and compassion towards, towards us. You don't have anything that's too big or too small or too obscure or too unknown for the power of God to touch you tonight. Jesus went about. This was part of his ministry. In fact, a primary part that he would heal. What kind of disease? Every kind. What kind of sickness? Every kind of sickness. That's just normal business. Amen. Amen. Look at Acts chapter 10 with me as well. Acts the 10th chapter. So Jesus went about healing all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of diseases among the people. In Acts chapter 10, this references the ministry of Jesus. In verse 38, it reads, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. So we're talking about an anointing. We're talking about the work of the Holy Spirit on his life. God anointed him. That means the Spirit of God was on him to this end. Who went about doing good. Everybody say good. And healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. All right? So we can see a lot of things here. Sickness is demonic oppression. We can see that Jesus healed all who were oppressed by the devil. We can see that there was a work of the Holy Spirit, or we could say an anointing on Jesus' life to that end. In other words, it's design, it's, uh, its function, its purpose was to heal. But this again uh, gives us a glimpse of the ministry of Jesus. The power of God was on him so that he could heal and so that uh, people could be set free from these problems. Now, we must be very, very clear in, in our minds as to the reason for sickness and disease. And real short, real brief, disease, sickness, physical problems, they are not designed to help us. They are designed to hurt us. They are not ever beneficial, but always the end result, if they could be played out to the end, they bring death. And if something doesn't kill you, its design purpose is to limit you in life. How many know if you don't feel good, you can't do much? And in some situations, you know, can't even move. 
But uh, I tell you what, sickness and disease is designed to kill. It's designed to limit. It's designed just to make your life miserable. And if you've ever had any pain, you understand the word miserable, right? But that's the purpose of it. We don't ever want to religiousize and philosophize and that a word? And, uh, and get into all these things where we want to analyze sickness and disease and suffering and pain to such a depth where we start finding good in it. If you've, been, if you've had problems for a while, you've probably meditated on it a lot over that period of time. And maybe you've sought out, is there any benefit to this? Is there any good to this? That lie is designed to keep you passive and accepting of the condition as opposed to resisting and not accepting and refusing that condition. I cannot for a moment entertain the idea that somehow even though I know better, even though my three-year-old, if I had a three-year-old, would know better, that I come to the conclusion that in some way this problem, this physical condition I have is improving my life. Okay? No, let's just cut straight to the chase here. Sickness and disease is a curse. It's designed to destroy you, to limit your life, to make it miserable all the days of your life. We're not looking for a deeper meaning in suffering. Sickness is bad. You know what also is, is true, though? Healing is good. Oh, yeah, every time. Every single time. I mean, if you get it by accident, if you get it on purpose. <laughs> but when, when, when sickness and disease go away, good is here to stay, right? That's, that, that's, the, that's the opposite of that. And so, you know, we got to watch out. I, I do want to kick over a couple, you know, sacred cows here tonight so we can move on. I know that people struggle with some of these thoughts uh, and sometimes you didn't, you didn't know you intentionally believed them. But sometimes we believe things and we didn't set out to believe them, but we've just kind of accepted them. And those very beliefs are the very reason we suffer. Those beliefs, not that we don't have belief, not that we don't have faith, just believe some funky things. Just believe some doctrines of demons. Just believe some words that are not from God. All right. You know, one of those things is, is people will say, well, you know, everything happens for a reason. See how quiet it got there? Some of you thought that was true. <laughs> well, everything happens for a reason. Well, I'm not denying that there is not cause and effect, but if someone implies that everything has a divine origin or a divine purpose, that's where we've totally missed the mark. Okay? But if I have that belief back in my subconscious, deep down in my heart somewhere, I believe that... Well, there's some divine reason or purpose for me going through this. I've just interrupted the flow of God's healing power to my life. I've just been, I've just opened a door for that thing to remain in me. I must remain, remain adamantly opposed to all that would attack my body, my mind. Why? I'm the Lord's possession. This is the temple of the Holy Ghost. I am one that Jesus bought and, and He paid a high price for. He suffered tremendously so my body and yours could be well, so it could be strong, so I could have the mind of Christ and think clear. Come on now, somebody. Okay, and, and, and so some of these little beliefs can be a, a hindrance. You see, uh, let, let me give you four things your physical problem is not. 
four things your physical problem is not. Number one, everybody ready? Number one, your physical problem is not the will of God. Just real simple. I could spend, we could spend a whole year on that subject. But your physical problem is not the will of God. He did not design, He did not create us to be sick. Sickness came as a result of sin. It is a curse that has attached itself to the human race as a result of wrong choices, as a result of sin being in the human race. And understand, it's not the will of God. The very fact is, these things happen outside of God's will. Outside of God's will. When you are attacked, when you suffer sickness or pain, that is outside of God's will. It's not in God's will. And so we never want to have that, this mindset where this has happened, but I just want to, I just want God's will, whatever that is. Okay, that's not it. Everybody with me? I appreciate that, hum, that humility of heart. I want that too. I want whatever God's will is. But sickness and disease is never a part of that plan. If it is attacking your body, if you're suffering with pain right now, no, it is directly contrary to God's will for your life. Again, that's a subject that we could literally spend hours and hours and hours. There's so much scripture to back that up. But, but, but I want to just give you these problems in brief here tonight. Okay? And so your problem, your physical problem is not the will of God. Not the will of God. Number two, your physical problem is not God's method of teaching you. Your physical problem is not God's method of teaching you. He's not using it to get you to a better place. He's not using this to teach you something. No, no. And I know we could go, again, we could take a lot of time go through a lot of scriptures. But the Holy Spirit is our teacher, not cancer. Everybody with me? The Bible says that that God placed apostles and prophets, pastors and evangelists, and I said them out of order, but you know, and, and teachers, Ephesians 4, in the church. Teachers, teachers. What is that? Those are human beings with a gift and with an anointing to explain things so that our minds could be renewed and we could know the will of God. He didn't send leukemia. And blood problems and, and, and arthritis and, uh, you know, other stuff. <laughs> to perfect the saints. To grow us up. No, that's a doctrine of, of, of demons. It's, it, it's, it, it's, it, 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 those are words that, that, that come out of religious circles that don't know God. No one really, really close to God says that. That was kind of a strong statement, huh? Here's what, here's what I'm saying. I believe when, we're, when we are really, really close to God, we think like Him. I'm not actually attacking the motive or the heart of someone, whether they have a heart for God or are committed to Him. But sometimes you can have a right intention and a right motive and a right desire, but still believe the wrong things. Okay. And so, and so he's not, uh, your physical problem is not God teaching you. God doesn't train us after the flesh. See, doesn't, but doesn't, doesn't God chasten us? Uh, you know, Hebrews over there, Hebrews 12 talks about that. Yeah, he does. That just simply means that, 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 that we're trained. To chasten means to child train. He, he does tr- chasten us. He trains us. How does he do that? Well, he's a father of spirits. 
So he, he chastens us spiritually, not physically. Fathers in the flesh train their own children, and there's physical discipline sometimes involved with that. But that's not the father of spirits. That's not what God deals with us. He deals with us spiritually. He gives us his word. His word is what, uh, is what uh, uh, trains us and chastens us. Everybody with me today? Sometimes God will speak to you and give you a strong word of, of correction and, dir- and re- redirect your life. Because he loves you and he'll do that for every one of us. But not going to slap you upside the head with a tumor. Just wanted you to learn a few things. So, can't we learn things through experience? Hopefully we do learn things through experience. But just because that's true, that doesn't mean that's God's method. It doesn't mean that's His way, that's His best. You know, they say the school of experience is a great teacher. Uh, but the tuition is way too high. Yeah. So if you've gone through some experiences or you are today and you've learned a few things in the process, thank God you did. I mean, I think what would the worst case scenario is to go through a bunch of junk and learn nothing. Then it's a total waste. But even in the middle of it, I'm not going to say, this is God's way, this is His method of training me. No, uh, God trains us other ways. It's, it's like the person who goes into the factory, you know, and he sees, the, he sees the sign on some machinery there, and it says, keep hands out. He says, hmm, I wonder what that means. Sticks his hand in there and gets it cut off. Oh, I understand. Now, how many know he learned something? But how many also know that wasn't the factory owner's way of teaching him? Huh? What was his way? Read the sign, believe the sign, obey the sign, keep your hands to yourself. Same way with God. How many know a lot of problems we, we have are self-inflicted? But it wasn't God's method. He, he, he's endeavored to put lots of signs all over through life. Isn't that right? And teach us and have other people talk to us and, and show us in many ways that He can so that we'll keep our hands out and keep them intact. Thank you, Lord. All right, your, your problem, your physical problem is not number three. Number three, it's not God's punishment. Your physical problem is not God's punishment. Just real, real, real quick on this. The reason that's the case is because Jesus was punished as a substitute for us. My sins are not being put to my account. Your sins are not being laid to your account anymore. If God were to call in to account all the sins of the world, we'd all be wiped out in a moment. But thank God, He took our sins, placed them on His Son. Jesus was punished. Jesus suffered. He died in our place. So now I can, I can know for absolute certainty that if I'm dealing with a problem, it is not God who is against me, punishing me for doing something wrong. It is God by His Spirit talking to me, showing me a way out of that situation. He's telling me, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Well, what if I resist the devil, but this one's actually from God? See, that throws the whole system into a, into a kink, doesn't it? I mean, if this, one came for, if this one is God's punishment, and yet Jesus said that believers would lay hands on the sick and they'll recover, then God puts a sickness on a person, and in the name of the Son of God, we, we remove it and take it back off? That's kind of an odd situation there. 
Everybody with me? This doesn't make a whole lot of sense. God put it on and told us how to take it off. As soon as we take it off, He's going to put it back on. But then we have an obligation to take it back off. And that's constantly through the life. God hitting people and us because we're way, way more loving and merciful and gracious than God, right? So we heal the sick and God makes them sick. And then we heal the sick and God makes them sick. And either that or God's not really involved in that side of the equation. Maybe He wants us to be well. Amen, amen, amen. So it's not God's punishment. Number four, your physical problem is not... Uh, is not waiting for Him to heal it. Your physical problem is not waiting for Him, Him being God, to heal it. Do you know why that's the case? Do you know why, you're, do you know why no one here is waiting? Now, you might be, but you're waiting in error. Uh, you know, it's like playing chess and you're waiting for the other guy to go and come to find out after a while he already went when you weren't looking. And you were waiting, waiting, waiting when it was actually your move. None of us are waiting, should not be waiting for God to heal us. The reason for that is because God already healed all physical problems in Christ. It's already a done deal. It's already an accomplished fact. You know, you know this, this is what, what blows up so much, you know, anti-God-wants-you-well theology. When people say, is it God's will? Is it? Does He want to do it? Too late! Too late. Already did it. Or as we say in proper English, done did it. Already. Already healed. All of our sickness and all of our disease was already placed on Jesus on the cross. And so your physical problem is not waiting for God to heal. He already has. Say it with me. God has already dealt with all sickness and all disease. I'm not waiting on Him. He already did it. And so here's a, here's a question that some might ask. Some might say, do I need to change something in order for God to heal me? Do I need to change something in order for God to heal me? Well, let me revert back to the last statement. No, He already healed you. I'm going to read that one again. Because sometimes, just real subtly, we revert back to our old statements, and uh, we start acting like acting like we're waiting on God. Do I need to change something in order for God to heal me? No, He already healed you in Jesus. There's nothing else He's going to do. Nothing else He can do. You're going to put Jesus back on the cross. I mean, what else? No, it's fin- it's a finished work. Okay, but let me phrase that in a more proper way. Do I need to change in order to be healed or receive my healing that's already there? Do I need to change? Yes. Yes, there needs to be change. Think about it for a moment. If I am going one direction and I am experiencing certain results that come from going that direction, if I want different results, I must change direction. Everybody with me now? Now, this direction, walking this way, thinking this way, saying what I say, believing what I believe, doing what I do, not doing what I'm not doing, whatever all those things are, it has produced and is producing my present tense reality. God's the same, no respecter of persons. He loves you and loves me the same always when I was born today. He's the same. 
The work of Christ was done before I was born. If I'm walking this whatever way you are walking, whatever you are saying, what you're believing, what you're doing, what you're not doing, the whole sum of your activity in life has and is producing what your present experience is. If there's something about your experience today that you're not okay with, it doesn't seem to line up with all the amazing, precious promises of God. If it is somehow differing in any way, that is a direct revelation that we need to turn. That we need to change some things in what we believe, say, do, maybe something we're not doing. You know what I'm talking about. But something has to be different, otherwise we'll just continue to get the present reality. So, is it necessary to change? Change, absolutely. Unless everything's el perfecto. I mean, every time you pray, you get get an immediate response from God. You're living in absolute blessing in every way, and everyone you touch is also blessed by God. I mean, and I'm not saying you're not doing that, okay? Because this change is not a a, a condemning change. You're just a rascal. You're just a dirty dog. Oftentimes, I've found this, that if I'm not experiencing God's best, it's not because I've rejected God or I just became a bad person or, you know what I'm talking about? It's just, there's something I'm not seeing. There's something I'm not recognizing here. There's something, Lord, I need your help in this. Show me where I'm supposed to go in this in, in, in relationship to, uh, to the choices that are before me. Thank you, Lord. Go to Luke chapter 17 with me. See, sometimes uh, what, we, what we experience in life is just passive acceptance. I mean, we didn't, we didn't intend to do it. Sometimes the change that's made is... We've just been weak in our stance against. Or we didn't know that it was our responsibility to do, when we've done all to stand, to stand against and use the weapons, the tools that God has given us to walk in victory. And sometimes it's just that simple. Sometimes we've been talking to everybody and to God about the mountain. Oh, it's a mighty mountain, Lord. It's a big, big mountain. It's a big, big problem I'm facing. We talked to him, and, uh, but we didn't realize that Jesus told us to speak to the mountain. He said, you're supposed to talk to it. You're supposed to cast it into the sea. Amen. Luke chapter 17. Let's read over here. And we're going to get ready to, mo- to minister here shortly. Uh, Luke chapter 17, beginning in verse 11. 17, 11. Now it happened, as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then, as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now, how many understand if you read Scripture, reread the Gospels, you'll recognize that mercy is healing. Mercy is not just forgiveness. Mercy is not just forgive us for our sins. You'll see again and again people ask for mercy. And Jesus didn't correct them and say, Don't you guys want healing? You know, blind Bartimaeus. Son of David, have mercy on me. Okay, you're forgiven. See ya. 
you're blind and forgiven, but... <laughs> no, but what you can see is there's a direct connection in the mercy of God and the healing of God. Okay, anyway, they said, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, go, show yourselves to the priests. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. Now, why does he tell them, show yourself to the priest? Well, in their day, under the law, someone who, uh, they had certain instructions for people who had various diseases. And uh, these guys were not allowed to mingle with the common population because of the severity of their disease and it being passed on to others. And so they stood their ground and they had to go get cleared by the priest to enter, re-enter society. Everybody with me and understand why he told them to do that? Okay. But where do we see faith in this event? This is a great event. We saw the beginning. We saw leprosy. Ten guys had leprosy. Now ten guys are healed. Where do we see faith in this event? First of all, I can see it in this. These guys called on Jesus to have mercy on them. In other words, to heal them. Well, how many know you don't do that unless you believe that He can? Unless you believe that He has the ability, He has the power, He, he, he has an anointing on Him to come to them and rid them of their plague, of their, of their leprosy. So we can see faith operating right from the very beginning. The fact that these guys see Jesus way over there. Jesus, have mercy on us. Now they weren't doing, they weren't doing that to everybody. I don't see that happening a lot these days. Where someone crying out to someone to have mercy on them, to heal them. But you can see their, their, their faith there. And how many know we should ultimately all have confidence in God alone to help us? This is where we all should get in our personal lives to where we don't have to call on someone, but we all personally go direct to Him. However, if someone is not in that place today, in other words, they're not getting it for some reason, um, well, they must believe in another person. They must believe in another human being that that person can do God's work. You either believe that God's going to do it to you, in you, for you directly, or you believe that God will use someone else to get it to you. But without one of the two, we're stuck. In this case, they didn't have a connection with God. They didn't know how to make that connection on their own. But they saw that God was using Jesus, that He was anointed. And so they called out to Him. Secondly, I see faith in this event. Right here, when Jesus said to them, it was His command, Go, show yourselves to the priests. Alright? Why, why would they be told to do something that only a cleansed person was to do? I mean, you think about it. You, you go as a, all these lepers show up to the priests with leprosy. We're here to see the priests. Why? You guys back off. <laughs> You've got leprosy. Well, the lepers didn't lepers don't go to see the priest to get declared cleansed and re-enter society. Only those healed of leprosy would do that. So why would Jesus tell these people with leprosy to go show themselves to the priests? 
Jesus is obviously operating in faith himself. He, he, I mean, he would look like a fool. If they showed up there and they said, well, you guys heard of Jesus of Nazareth? He told us to come here and show ourselves to you. And they'd have said, go tell him to keep his day job. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? I mean, if they showed up there with leprosy. So this was Jesus putting his name, his reputation, his ministry on the line. He said, you guys go and show yourself. Jesus was in absolute confidence. He knew of a certainty. But here's the deal. It wasn't all on Jesus. Right? It wasn't all on him. He, he, it wasn't all about him telling them to go. There always has to be a response. They started, they approached in faith, believing that he could. Jesus responded to their request in faith and said, Yep, go ahead and go. But, verse, but, but, the, but the next part is the third part here. Uh, oh, but let me back up for a moment. I, I want to make this point. Did Jesus see their healing first? Did Jesus stretch out his hand and, and he saw the, the whiteness of their skin, the leprosy all go away and said, oh yeah, go show yourself to the priests. No, these guys were afar off. They're yelling. They're crying out. They're far enough away. Jesus didn't examine them and say, okay, you guys look good. Go ahead and show yourself to the priests. How many know that didn't take any faith? But it was an absolute statement of faith for him to say, go, show yourselves to the priests. And they're way over there. As far as Jesus is concerned, done. Done. Without any physical seeing of, 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 of the, the healing that he spoke into their lives. Okay? And then the third point, where do we see faith? Is this. They went. They went. They didn't say, well, uh, I'm not feeling any change yet, Lord. Jesus said, go show yourself. And they all looked around at themselves and said, Nah, we're, we're going to be fools if we go show ourselves like this. Why don't you heal us first? Everybody with me now? now? Now watch the response. They went. Were they healed and then they went? Did they feel a change and see a difference? And so they responded and said, oh yeah, we'll go now. No, that's not what happened. They changed as they went. They changed when they, their body changed when they changed. You see, they're going one direction in life, and they're dying, and they're afflicted, they're diseased. Then they see Jesus, and they call, and then they make a change of direction in their life. It wasn't working before; they were suffering, but now they see Jesus, and they change, and they say, "Son of David, have mercy on us." Change of direction. They're doing something different. Before they were doing nothing. Before they were doing, or what they were doing didn't tell us, but it wasn't working. So they changed, they did something different. What are you doing different than what you've, did, than what you've done before? Well, they did something different, they called on Jesus. And he called back and said, go show yourself. And what did they do? They were walking this way. Jesus! He said, go. And they turned around and they went the other way. It's this change of direction that is necessary. Calling out to Jesus. They called to him. Uh, how many know it's one thing to call, unto the, call to the Lord? It's a whole other thing to respond to Him. Uh, I, I would venture to say many uh, tonight are interested, and your heart is this, to call out to the Lord. And that's a good thing. 
because that's that may be different than what you've done before. Or maybe you're here as a result of calling out to the Lord. But calling out to the Lord is a good thing. But that's not the end of the deal. Here's the end. Responding to Him. Responding to the Lord. I call to Him and I respond to the Lord. What do, we mean, what do I mean I respond to the Lord? I was walking this way. I called out to the Lord and I kept walking this way. No. I was walking this way, and this was the condition, the reality of my life, suffering these things. I called out to the Lord, and then I went the other way. In other words, there's a response to what the Lord says. There's a response, and when I say the Lord says, that yes, that's by His Spirit. He talks to us. It's in His Word. If He said, you're healed. If He said, they'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. We respond to that Word, not by continuing on in our lives the way things have always been, but by turning and going a different way. In other words, acting as if what the Lord said is true. That's when healing becomes a reality in your life. They didn't get healed and then go. They went and got healed. They responded to the Word. They turned and went a different way. They did what they didn't do before. They did something that was foolish to do as a sick person, as a diseased person. As a diseased person, you don't go show yourself to the priest. As a, as a crippled person, you don't get up and walk. As a person with a withered hand, you don't stretch it out. As a person with joint problems, you probably don't do a whole lot of bending and, and stuff. You know what I'm talking about. We've had numerous testimonies around here uh, lately of, of people with um, food allergies and things of that nature. Well, as a non, what do you call it, a intolerant person of different, you know, you don't go eat ice cream. You don't go eat wheat. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just saying, hey, what do you need to do? In what way do you need to go? How can you went? They went. They were cleansed. Did you went? If you didn't went, <laughs> I would suggest you find a way to went. What go, went where? Other, the other way. What you didn't do, now you do. Where you didn't go, now you go. How you didn't think, how you didn't act, it's now different. At the moment of the spoken word, go, then it's our time to went. This also works with the laying on of hands. Because Jesus gave him a command. Other times he laid hands on people. Other times he rebuked things. But uh, that was the command. And from that, you act different. You, you, you live different. You, you think different. What happens? When are we healed? Right after we went. Their healing showed up to where they could see it and the priest could check it out and say, your guys are well. It happened right after they went. Amen. Amen. I hope this is simple. I, I try not to be complicated. I try to be very simple in regards to these things. Uh, let's have the perspective of God concerning sickness and disease. Let's, let's think like He does. Not let any other thought come in. Alright? And then how we deal with it is we act. We act on the very words of God. We're doers and not hearers only. Amen? Amen. Let's pray tonight. Father, we love You. We thank You for Your Word.
Thank You for Your grace, for Your anointing in this place. Thank You for the Spirit of God. (laughs) He works all around this place tonight. Hallelujah. Lord, we yield ourselves as vessels You can use and flow through. We're listening. We've heard Your Word tonight. We continue to listen. For You sent Your Word and healed them. So we listen to Your voice. We hear what you're saying to us. And we act. And we do. Because we're absolutely certain that what you said is true. And so thank you for the manifestations of your spirit in this place, even right now. The glory of the Lord. The presence of God. Father, we thank you. You're everywhere. And you're in everything. You surround us with your love. Thank you for the glory of God that manifests, changes bodies, heals hearts and minds, fixes everything that was wrong. In Jesus' name, we give you all the praise and all the glory tonight. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen.